0: Yeah, uh, we're gonna line everyone up after service, and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we did talk uh, a few different topics of what fire um, has kind of meant in scripture. A uh, week number one, we talked about um, how fire is a symbol of passion, and uh, it's the passion that God has for us, and it's the same passion that God is asking us to have for Him. And uh, we want to make sure. Look, you can be you can be on the fence about a lot of things in life, but I pray that none of us are guilty of being on our on the fence about our love. For God, because he's not on the fence about his love for you, man. He is all in, and so we, 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 we made that pretty clear. Week number two, last week, we talked about uh, the refining fire, right? And so uh, we, we talked about how life has a way, and God is not going to withhold circumstances in our life that bring about trials. Uh, I, James said, count it all joy when you fall into trials. What? Who does that? Uh, because it's producing character, and character is important for us, man. In life, God is going to bring us through circumstances that he wants to make sure that we don't bend, we don't break, uh, that our character holds upholds in life circumstances. And so uh, I want you to know, if you're in a situation, God is using that to refine you, to bring about a much more precious gold in you. And um, that was pretty cool. This week, we're going to talk about the fire of the mouth. And uh, I'm, really, I, I'm really excited about this. I... Most messages, I would say, probably like 99% of the messages are for me, and I just I I, I, I listen to them, I I think about them, uh, I preach them over myself, and it's it's good for me. And this one is another one, man. It's just a good reminder to remember what fire is. And so, throughout mankind's mankind mankind's time on this earth, uh, fire has been a huge. Thing for us to, uh, to grow in civilization when we learn to control fire. But fire can be destructive. Um, we just got back from California, Teresa and I, and uh, what's happening over there right now is absolutely terrible. I think I read last night that the death count now in the California fires is up over 79. Um, that's, that's awful. Um, so when we were over there, we were in the Bay Area, and though we didn't see fire anywhere, we smelt fire Everywhere. Um, the destruction, I mean it was in people's houses, it was in the churches that we visited, um, they said in the, in the football stadium there in San Fran, across the bay, it, people could smell it in the stadium there at night, I mean it's just crazy um, the destruction that it's caused over there, but fire has also been good throughout mankind's time here on this earth, and I mean it's what's caused us to grow, man when they realized they can control fire, it put animals at bay, animals were like whoa, 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 whoa that's, that's a lot We've we've been able to build houses with, with with fire through the technology we've done. It's sterilized food and water for us. It's created medicine when man was in war and they just seared something and stopped the bleeding. Or they, they took a hot metal and stuck it in someone. And, and I mean, it's done so much for us throughout time. And so I know that fire can be destructive, but it can also... Be an awesome resource that we can use on this earth. And the Bible would say that you have a fire in your mouth. Uh, I'm going to show you that here in scripture, and I think it's really, 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 really fantastic. If you can, in your Bibles, go to James chapter 3, uh, one of the coolest Bibles in the in one of the books in the Bibles to read, in my opinion, if you're currently having a hard time reading the Bible or the Bible has become kind of dull for you, I want to encourage you to read the book of James. James is so awesome. I, I, I tell everyone all the time, I think James had ADD. Uh, before that, they knew how to diagnose this two thousand years ago. Uh, he switches topics every like um, three words, and uh, <laughs> it's so awesome. And so, if you have a short mind frame, you, you'll you'll survive just well with this. But um, James is a really great book, and the a whole third chapter is uh, is focused on on the power of words. I'm going to start off in verse two here when I read to you. He says, "If we can control our tongues, we would be perfect." and could also control ourselves in every other way. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out. So it's funny when the Bible makes these crazy statements that are like, is that really accurate? And so let's just imply for a second that it is accurate. Would you be willing this week to join me in a test? That this week, you can control your mouth, and you'll do everything you can to control every word that comes out of your mouth. Because it says that if we can control our tongues, we would be perfect. First of all, that's awesome. Uh, And then we could also control ourselves in every other way. I think there's some people here that has allowed life to kind of slip out of control a little bit, and what a great way to get it back than to guard our mouths and what we're saying. Let me keep going here because this passage, man, it's really awesome. He says in verse 3, it's crazy how the Bible was written thousands of years ago and the massive amount of wisdom that's in here in every single word. Verse 3, if we can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of putting a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses it to go, even though the winds are strong, that's awesome. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. I love that. Meaning the tongue can can do really powerful. It can be a huge motivator. It can encourage and direct and give vision. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. He's not talking about uh, uh, something that's healing anymore. Now he's talking about the destruction that can come out of someone's mouth. (sighs) Man, that that gives me goosebumps. And uh, among all of the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a, a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And so I'm thinking about how the fact that out of your life, you can determine the passion and the fire and the things you're enthusiastic about. One of my favorite statements that I've, has really changed my life is a statement Craig Rochelle said years ago. And he says that he says our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And what's funny is the strongest things that we think that dominate our mind, they come out of here. And so the things that you're passionate about and the things that you love and the things that you go after, it's all coming out of here. When you're depressed or you're frustrated or you're confused, it comes out of here. And the more that you speak that, it becomes a forest, it becomes a flame, it becomes a condemnation, it becomes a shackle, it becomes a chain that you wear like a badge. But you could turn the whole thing around, Jack. By choosing to change your mind, what are you going to believe? Can your life be better? I think about any athlete, man, and these athletes that are on a team, they they talk about how in a locker room, in a team, one word of negativity can change and be a destruction to the whole team. But when everyone starts saying, we can, we can, we can, we can, anything can happen. I, I love to think about the New York football Giants. Yeah, buddy. Not this year, of course. Yeah, not this year. Uh, but several years ago when they played the, the New England Patriots, and everyone outside the locker room said it's not possible. But these guys inside, they said, we can, we can, we can, we can. There's something about getting your mind to say yes and then getting it out, and it becomes infectious. It becomes infectious it becomes infectious. I was thinking about the, the Red Sox when they broke the curse uh, against the Yankees back in 04, I think. They were down three games in this series, and no team in the history of baseball had ever come back from a, from a, from a 3-0 and deficit. And, the, and the, the Red Sox, when they were down, they were on their field, and they, they said, you know what? We, all we got to do is win this one game. Because if, if they let us win just this one game, Something can happen. And another teammate caught that word and he said, Oh man, if we can win this game, something can happen. And it began to spread. And if you watch any videotape of the series, they all said that it was one teammate that had this whisper if they let us win just one game, they all caught wind. And boy, the Yankees beat those devils. I mean, the Yankees, you know, the devils and them. Yokers. All right, anyways, <laughs> then I got to keep going here. So uh, it, it, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so it, it, the things that you say can direct and will direct your life. And so I wanted to start off with a few points here today. Let's pray, though, first, if you would pray with me. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Lord, would you help? (sighs) Amen. Amen. Cool. Okay. So, my point I have five points for you today. And uh, point number one is that God connects with us through words. Through words. Let me show you. In the very beginning, if you were to flip, turn your Bible all the way to Genesis chapter one, we would see that God, He says, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And in one place, so, 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 so God, he speaks into the darkness and creates light, and then there was light. God spoke, and everything began to change. I want you to know that there's power in words, and it, God displays that for us. Then if you, he would say, then, then he separates dry land. And in verse 9, God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so the dry land may appear. And that is what happened. In John chapter 1, we, we see that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, and He was in the beginning with the Word. And what I love is, that, and go to verse 4, if you would, John chapter 4, John 1, 4. He says, and the Word gave life to everything that was created. I believe that. I don't know about you. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth when He spoke. And the word gave life to everything. The word gave life to you. It gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Whoo, man, that's awesome. And I know that's what's happened to me. Let me give you another version of that. Let me show you this. This is one of the coolest verses in all of the Bible, in my opinion. It's in Psalms chapter 107, verse 20. And he said, and he sent his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. And he sent his word. God is in heaven, and he sends his word and heals us. Now I don't know about you or what season you're in or what dark moment you're in, but for me, the only hope that I have is God's word. I'm not gifted enough to heal my son on my own, I don't know if my, if my physical body will uphold enough to support my family financially throughout all the ages. But I know that when God says that he owns all of the cattle on a thousand hills... I believe that God is for me and not against me. I stand on his word, and it's done something for me. See, when God sent his word, it was the only thing that redeemed me. I was in a season in my life where I was, I was dark, I was alone, and I felt like I was filled with shame and condemnation. Like, man, I'm a mess, and what am I going to do with myself? And when, God, when I heard God say that he had a plan for me, for I know the plans that I have for You see, he was in heaven, and he declared his word and healed us. It was then that everything changed for me. And I'm thinking about verses where God sent his word and healed us. You know, like there's a verse where Jesus, he has this, 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 this lame person laying on the ground and he's telling everyone, he says, what's, what's easier for me to say his sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Then I'll say it, get up and walk. He sent his word and healed you. I love when, when Jesus looks over at Peter and he says, Peter, you are the rock, Can you imagine Peter putting his shoulders back, me? Yes, you, Matt, are the rock. You, Bill, are the rock. You, Natalie, are the rock. And on on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He sent his word and healed us. When he sent his word, it gave us identity, it gave us purpose, it gave us confidence that I am not a failure, I am not an accident, and I am not living in a dark moment, but I am who he says I am. He sent his word, and it healed us. And I want you to know that God connects with us through his word. Point number two today, I wanted to let you know that our mouths connect us to God. Man, you, you've got to get this because some of us are in a season where we're confessing some things that aren't lining up with Scripture. And out of our mouths, man, mm. see, when, when we speak, when, when God says that I you are the rock, if we confess anything other than that, what's going to happen is, is it's going to create shame and bondage over us. But when we buy into it, when we, when we say, okay, God, you sent your word and healed me, then I receive that healing and now I'm going to speak it in my life. And when we begin to speak that healing, when we begin to speak that identity and that culture, it creates a confidence in us that wasn't there prior because some a word that's greater than mine, this word is of the ages. I mean, it's thousands of years old and it's still giving purpose today. This word has given life to billions of people. And it's given life to us and our mouths when we believe it, when we speak it. Let me show you. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. For if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is righteous, but with the mouth one confession is made unto salvation. See, when God sent his word to us, and we begin to believe it, okay, maybe that is for me. What happens is when someone starts speaking the word of God is something starts stirring inside of us. Like, man, that might be for me. That might be for me. That might be for me. But when I speak it, the words that come out of my mouth, it creates a powerful identity. I am saved. Not because of me. But I believe that the Lord Jesus, I believe that He is the Lord. And I believe that He died for me. With the heart, one believes and becomes righteous, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Hmm. See, the Bible says that in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth begins to speak. What's important, uh, we understand this, is that sometimes the heart has got some yuck in it, but if we begin to, to hold in the words that are not lined up with his word, and we begin to remeditate meditate on a new truth, now we begin to speak truth, and it changes our heart. And I want some of us to kind of get that. Our words connect us to God. Point number one is that God connects with us through his word. Point number two is that we connect with God through our words. But point number three is that we disconnect with God through our words. Let me show you. Oh, man, this is harsh. This is powerful. And it, it kicked my tail today. Matthew, the same chapter I just read, for out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks in verse 34. Verse 36 and 37, he says this. But I say to you, that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, say this with me, you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Every idle word we speak... And so when we're saying things that aren't lining up with God's word, these are the words He's gonna hold us accountable to. See, I send my word to you. What are you saying? Because if we're speaking things that isn't lining up with God's word, it's 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 creating a separation. See, it's creating a chasm. I came to be with you, I came to be reconciled with you. Now, if you're gonna speak things that are not gonna create reconciliation, we we can't have relationship. See, in any, any marriage, I, I love my wife because of how consistent and how faithful she is. Like, one of the greatest things about her when, when God led her to me, uh, one of her attributes was that she is a faithful woman. And me having a, a, a life of rejection, it was something that I, it was a confidence that when I looked at her, I knew that she would, she would remain faithful to me all the days of my life. No relationship can be one sided, though. See, if I'm gonna have a relationship with her, and she's going to have a relationship with me. If, she, if she's 100% and I'm 80%, you see, see what, oh man, that 20% is going to mess some things up. Maybe you've never been in a relationship where someone was only 80% committed. But that 20% of uncommitment, it'll do some damage. And so in my relationship with the Lord, I have to be 100% committed. God, I'm not going to allow anything else that doesn't line up with what you're saying over me. If you sent your word and healed me, and that's the only thing I'm saying back, you're the Lord Jesus, you're my Savior. You can heal all. You, by your stripes, I am healed. And we want to talk about healing for other folks, I'm only going to speak what God's word says. One, God connects with us through His word. Two, we connect with God through our words. three. We disconnect with God through our words. And four, we disconnect with people through our words. I I don't know if you know statistics, uh, but many would say that um, for every seven kind words you say, people will remember one unkind thing you say. That's harsh. You know, like you can say, uh, hey, son, uh, you're great. Son, I think you're awesome. Son, I think you're, you're, you're talented. Son, I think you're knowledgeable. Son, I, I think that you can do anything. Son, I think that you're fantastic. Son, you're stupid. Wait. Son, you're great. Son, you're strong. Son, you can do anything. Son, you can... He's going to linger on that harsh word, and many of us do the same. And you got to know when you're speaking something that is going to create some kind of block or bondage or limit someone, like you're not capable, or you are not, or you will not, or never, or you always, or you, it creates a shame, it creates a distrust, it creates a hurt. It's like a fire and it is destructive. Your words can destroy relationships. And I don't know about you, I don't know what the things that God's put in your heart, but I want to remind you that the things that matter most for the Lord to accomplish in your life is for you to draw closer to Him, and for you to draw closer to them. And so if our words can create hurt, or distrust, or unbelief, like... There's nothing you're going to say that's going to convince someone to come to Jesus, but the, but but ye, if they trust you, they'll follow you. If they trust you, they'll listen to you a little bit more. Our words have to build a bridge where people know that you will be constant and you will be good and you will be, like the words that Jesus speaks over us are always that of building us up. He always looks to the good in us, like. Like, when we look back at Peter and he said, Peter, you're the rock. I don't know what Bible or what story Jesus was reading, but everything I read about Peter, I would have picked just about any other disciple and said, you're the rock. Like, but Peter, I think when they rock, you're the rock that sinks. You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> like, you, like, this guy was a mess. But Jesus had a way of pulling out of someone something that's in them, and that's, what's, that's what he did with me. I mean... You guys think that I'm the most godly guy that's ever walked the planet. I know you do. It's great. But I was a mess when God called me and said, I know the plans that I have for you. For him to look at someone that was in that kind of garbage and pulled me as far as he's brought me now, you got to know that we have to get better at not looking at people and think that they're a waste. Your words will create separation with man. I'm going to tell you a quick story. happens happened here uh, uh, a few times, man, um, where I'm talking to someone and uh, their 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 husband is right next. I'm talking to a wife and her husband is right next to him. And uh, she says, you know, he he just he doesn't he won't pray and he won't he doesn't ever come to church and he doesn't. Uh, And he, you know, and I'm watching his face as shame is just literally melting down his face and he's standing there like, I came today, I'm I'm here. Like, and to speak that negativity over him in that circumstance caused him to feel like, I don't want to come back now. Like if this, uh, you're you're saying this right in front of the pastor. Like say something great about who I am and make this guy look at me in a way that, uh, yeah, like build rapport. But we've got to be careful because it cre- words spoken, mm-hmm. they create a distrust. They create an identity. Our words are a fire. But they can be a, a good fire, a refining fire. Point number four today is, is that our words can connect us to people. Let me show you this, man. This is a really rad verse. It's Ephesians chapter five, verse 25 and 26. Some of you may have heard this before. This is stinking cool. Men, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Stop there. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and he gave himself up for her. I, I wish that I could say that I fulfilled this verse in my life. but When I see the way Jesus loves the church, how when his bride was not faithful to him, he was faithful to her. He gave up self-praise and self-glory so that he can build her up and affirm her. But watch, so let me show you what the next verse says. 26, to make her holy... Cleansing her by washing her with water through the word. Jesus gave himself up for her by washing her, cleansing her by the words. Like, hey, you, you, you are not a mistake. You are not a, you are not a curse. You are a blessing. And many of us, we see things in our life that God has blessed us with because we may be in a season of frustration and we see many things as a curse rather than as a blessing. And so we lash out. And these harsh words are going to create more separation, not reconciliation. But Jesus washed his bride. He washed me, he washed you with words of kindness. It's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. And many of us are are sandblasting our wives rather than washing them with water. And you got to know that it's, our words can draw us to people. When James opened up here, he talks about how how words have an ability to to, to speak to the people. It has an ability to inspire, to create, to create vision, to move people forward, or it can be destructive. But we get to choose that. We get to choose what we speak. And so as we opened up today with this, with this verse in James, he said this, he, he said, for if we control our tongues, we would be perfect and we could control ourselves in every way. If what you're seeing in your life doesn't line up with what's coming out of your mouth or, or what, what God wants you to see, stop speaking, let the word change your heart and begin to speak what you want you know, one of the things, it's so crazy what's happening in our church right now. We have so many people serving and engaging in our church. I've never seen it. This last Thursday night, Wednesday night, whatever night we all came together for turkey, we had like 190 people here. There wasn't 190 people. That was, that was a pastor talking right there. There was, there was more than 100 folks slammed in this room with tables and chairs lined. There was more than 100 people. Am I wrong? It was, was slam packed for turkeys. Never seen people want to engage with each other so much. Well, we started speaking that a long time ago about the unity in our church. We started talking a while ago about how many people serve in our church. You know what kind of culture we have now? I think we had seven people this morning standing outside serving. I think we had people in here that came in like seven o'clock this morning to start practicing for worship because worship was stinking awesome this morning, wasn't it? Even I was almost singing. It was so good, I was almost singing on key this morning. (laughs) Rachel, if you practiced a little bit harder, I would have got there. Um, but we started speaking things that were not then and they are now because we changed the culture of what we wanted. Amen. You can change the culture of the fruit in your life. You can change the culture of the fruit in your marriage, the fruit at your job, but you can't go to work and speak about how terrible it is and expect it to become good. I'll tell you right now. Try that out. You're living in a sewage. just because it started here. And so if you start talking about how good it is, or how good your boss is, or how good the people underneath you are, you can build them up and affirm them in a way that it creates a better atmosphere. But you've got to start it. That's why I think it was funny when Jesus said to bless those that curse you. Because maybe they've done wrong, but what if you can change the relationship with your words and create a reconciliation the same way he has done for his church? Is this is good. This is good stuff here, right? I was like, man, this is really good for me this morning. Maybe it's a, okay. Here we have to, have to get the last one here. Connects us. Uh, okay, so so uh, our mouths connect us to people. Our tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. I love that. Let me read the next verse because that twenty-one is cool, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. The next verse I thought was really funny. I read this one, and then I just accidentally read the next one, and I thought it was really cool. 22, and he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. You know what I thought about? There are so many things in our life that we consider a curse right now. We think it's all jacked up, and it's all bad, and it's all terrible, and nothing is good. And I think God put this verse right after the last one, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And he that loves it will eat of its fruit. Because if you can see that God has blessed you and this is good, it will be good. And if you can see that it's bad, oh, God left you, he abandoned you, you're in this season alone, it's, it's going to get darker, it's going to get colder, and you're going to stay there longer. But you've got you to change it you got to see what God's doing in your life and start speaking it. I'm going to close with some of these couple of words. Uh, Rachel, would you come? It took me to a, a verse. Uh, one of my old sermons I had, I had on my iPad, and I, it's one of my favorite ver- sermons that I've done um, for me. And it was um, found in Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, it's the Dry Bones passage. Anyone ever remember the Dry Bones passage? And this prophet has a vision. It's not a real story, but it's a vision. Now, this vision happens in a lot of places in Scripture where God asks man what he sees. But in Ezekiel chapter 37, God asks Ezekiel, looking out over an army, they're about to go to war, and the army that Israel have isn't good enough. It's not going to work. Maybe you're in a situation where the money you have isn't going to pay the bills. Maybe you're in a situation where the marriage that you have is not what you dreamed it to be. Maybe you're in a situation where the job that you're in feels like a dead end or your family's in a jam, or maybe you got a health problem. And I love what God asks Ezekiel in this situation, looking out in a vision over a valley of dry bones, a dead army, who is symbolic of the small army that Ezekiel is supposed to lead to conquer his enemies. And he says this, he says, he said to me, O son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know. Let me just stop there. Can they live? Can dry bones live? No. But if God says they can live, can it live? Well, if God says your marriage can work, can it work? If God says your finances is enough, is it enough? If God says that you're going to be whole, are you going to be whole? If God says that he's put you in this season for like is it enough? And so he says to Ezekiel, he says, hey, look, oh, Lord, only you know. Ezekiel answers back, and he, and he says, again, the Lord said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Whew. Thus says the, these dry bones. And I just think in my life right now, what if what we're saying isn't lining up with God's word and we're cursing more than we're blessing? Maybe the situation is getting worse because we're allowing it to get worse. But God connected to man through his word. We connect to God through our words. We disconnect with God through our words, and we'll connect to people through our words, and we'll disconnect to people with our words. We can determine, and one of the worst things an athlete can do is say, I can't. Oh man, it shuts them down. Because you can think I can't, but when you say it, You just, your effort just dropped about 95%. But if you say, I can, you may not ever, but if you decide you can, when you speak it, something powerful happens.